You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us here today. So I call out first to your ancestral helping spirits and to mine. I call out to all of those people who walked the earth and who lived well, who died well, and rose to the challenges of their time. I call out to those who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in this ancestral legacy into our lives to support the living in doing what we are here to do, to rise to the challenges of our own time. And I ask these ancestral helping spirits to help us to do so in a way that is good for all living things. And let us reach beyond these human ancestral helping spirits to those energies of life that surround us, that have been here long before anyone ever dreamt up a human, and will be here long after. So let us reach out to those ancestors that are not in human form, that are in the world around us, all the way through those that manifest in forms we are comfortable and are common for us to relate to, like trees and animals, and reach beyond into the land, to the great spirits of the land, and all the way to the elemental energies that create it all, the earth, the air, the fire, the water. We call out to all of these ancestors to help us to remember our own true nature, to move deeply into our human hearts and remember what it is to be human in this great web of life and to know that we were born to be blessings and to rise to that challenge and to do something in this day to be a blessing yourself. And we call out to these ancestral helping spirits to support us in being the best human that we can be. And as these ancestral helping spirits gather around us in their many forms, let us gather ourselves from wherever we might be into our mind and breathe, drawing ourselves from our mind to our heart and take another breath and draw ourselves from our heart down into our belly. And from our belly, let us take a breath and reach all the way down and touch the earth herself and to give thanks. Thanks for this day. Thanks for your life and the miracle of that that which we take for granted. Let us give thanks for the miracle of life, the beauty and diversity that is all around us, and the amazing energy that is the challenges, the gifts, the people, all that it is that comes to us on this journey that allows us to become the person that we have come here to be. We give gratitude to the earth for all of that. And with thanks to the earth, we reach down, down through all the layers of the earth, all the way down to the very center of the earth and choose to ground ourselves there, connecting deeply into those energies that draw their power out of darkness, out of stillness, out of solitude, out of silence. 
and let us reach deeply into these energies that restore as we would reach into a pool of fresh clear water and draw these earth energies up calling up into ourself and into our day energies that restore renew refresh and replenish that which is before the abundance here on earth let it draw us into ourselves and in this way let us call up the wisdom of manifestation how to be here in form in a good way we call out to the energy of the earth to help us to understand how to be here in our bodies in this place to know where we stand what we stand for and what has heart and meaning and let us build our sense of home and place and belonging based on what truly matters in our heart let us do so in a way that opens our circle to those who are other than we are that we might invite them in and learn from them be provoked by them come through a great exploration of coming to know those who are different than us to know an even better version of ourselves. and as we open ourselves to others around us may we better open to the other within ourselves. come into right relationship with all aspects of ourself right relationship with nature and the environment around us right relationship with the invisible world and in this opening to being connected and interconnected may we open to the oneness of all things and take a moment to connect into that precious truth at least once a day to remember how to be in true right relationship with ourself as part of that big all that is and as we reach into that all that is let us draw our energy up from the earth from our belly to our heart and our heart to our mind and reach up and out the top of our head out through the sky whatever weather it holds for you at this time out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the way up to the highest power of the universe and by whatever way you know that energy whatever name you call it reach to that energy see yourself in it and it in you and draw that divine radiance down drawing these energies down from above and calling into yourself into this day into our proceedings drawing in the essence energy of blessing the energy of protection of devotion and commitment we call these energies in with the benevolence of our universe we draw in that which inspires and illuminates and lights the way in those moments in our life that grow dark we call these energies in and draw them down from our head to our heart and belly and into the center of the earth and as earth and sky connect let us feel that big love that is the energy between these two great legendary lovers of myth we call this energy in and ask that big love to awaken the spirit of our own human heart to nourish it and to bless it and to open it and to inspire it to call out to that crucible of change that lives in our heart draw up the fiery passions of our belly into our crucible and down the crystal clarity of our mind into the crucible and let them dance there and a great passionate dance of diverse dynamic energy to give birth to that third and most essential thing your heart's memory of why you are here some inkling some sense some inspiration of the true gifts that you bring to the world and may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day large or small to bring those gifts into manifestation for the world around you 
want to give great gratitude to the helping spirits in their many forms for the many ways that they support each one of us in helping us to bring our gifts to the world. So I want to give thanks to all of you who are joining me uh, in my live online course, Energy Body Mastery, that begins on April 12th. Uh, for those of you that would like to join us in this adventure, you can go to energybodymastery.com and register there. And I also want to thank those of you that have donated financially to the show. If you're listening for the first time, Why Shamanism Now is listener supported. We're in our 10th year um, and we wouldn't be here for a decade if it wasn't for listeners like you. So if this, heart, if this show uh, moves you in any way, even if it moves you into irritation, know you've been moved in your heart. And I invite you to do something, large or small, to do this most fundamental of shamanic acts, which is to allow that which moves your heart to motivate your action in the world. And you're welcome to go to whyshamanismnow.com to the support button, donate any amount, large or small, in any currency. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air and the archives available free for anyone in the world who can access the internet. So thank you all very much. And I also want to give thanks to our guest, Renee Berbeau. Thank you for being with us today, Renee. Well, thank you for that beautiful introduction and reminding us all to connect in there. I, I see why you have such beautiful reviews on your, your website about your show and your work. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Renee. Now, Renee is here today to talk about her beautiful new book, Winds of Spirit. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Renee, she is a Hay House author of the book we're talking about today, Winds of Spirit, Ancient Wisdom Tools for Navigating Relationships, Health, and the Divine. She is a wind whistler, soul coach, inspirational speaker, and workshop leader known and respected for her down-to-earth approach. As a writer, Renee is uh, a featured contributor blogger for Elephant Journal, and Renee also contributed chapters to the anthology's Pearls of Wisdom, 30 Inspirational Ideas to Live Your Best Life Now, and the Five Principles of Everything. <laughs> I love that title. <laughs> and she makes her home in the desert of Canada and Whidbey Island. So Renee is a former chef, which is an entire universe that I've never been invited into, so I'll talk to her about that another time. <laughs> she opened uh, Brown Baggers, uh, f the first farm-to-table restaurant in central New York in 1987. In 2005, she established the Desert Holistic Network in Palm Desert, California, an online national resource directory, and Renee served as the resident shaman at the We Care Spa in Desert Hot Springs. Since 2013, she has worked for the Foundation's Recovery Network, a national system of residential treatment facilities. So we are live today, everyone, and if you have a question about today's topic, you're welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. Or you can Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site. You can always email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. You can also um, email Renee at desertholisticnetwork at gmail.com. And you can find Renee's uh, work at thepracticalshaman.com. You know, Renee, I always wondered who got that domain name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, damn, somebody already took that. <laughs> I know. I have the shaman chef too. So Yeah. Wonderful. All right, Renee. So let's begin just by sharing, um, looking way back, 
what were the pivotal what was really the pivotal moment in your life that brought you to shamanic work even if at the time you didn't realize it was pivotal probably one of the first things was uh, when I was 30 and I opened that farm to table restaurant, I had my grand opening and the next day my, my father went home and had a massive stroke and immediately all my, you know, funding for my restaurant and, and my business support disappeared. And there was this moment when I realized that up until then I had taken all the money he'd given me in my life and wasted it on, you know, drugs and alcohol and, things that, I, you know, vacations, trips. And so I had this this baby, this restaurant that I had to, you know, come to terms with and, and make it successful despite the relationship I had had with him. And I realized that if I didn't quit drinking that I would probably be, I could end up, you know, dead at 52 too. And, and so in that moment, I, I got rid of the alcohol within that year and then I was desperately crazy and insane, which, you know, spurred me on to to find some treatment and then to a fire walk and then to a soul retrieval class and then to move to California. So it all kind of spurred on from from that one incident in my life. Mm, beautiful. OK. And so here you are doing many manifestations, really, of the. <laughs> spirit energies that are moving through you. So let's focus here just on the book itself. So what inspired you to write this book at this time? Well, I wrote a book called The Shaman Chef, How Cooking Saved My Life. And it was really about this, this you know, relationship that I had, had with, my, with my father. And it spurred my mother on to have a, her own re- reaction to it. And she didn't speak to me for a year. And it was the first time that 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 had happened. I had been really a, a pretty awful in a lot of ways towards her. And so in that moment, it was like, wow, she's finally standing up for her part of this. And so I, I took about to write a book that my mother would read. And then I thought, well, OK, I'll just write a book that my coaching clients can use about a compass, you know, how you know how to how to travel true north. And I had no clue at the time that that my my dharma, my life was to uncover some work that had been not on the planet for thousands of years. You know, shamans had told me along the way in Peru and Chile that I had, you know, some major work to do, but I had no clue that that I would bring forth this this information that had literally been lost on their planet for, you know, a couple thousand years. And it revealed itself and it kept revealing itself and my curiosity kept getting sparked at, at, along the journey. And, you know, I had an editor who was spurring me on and I'd get a little bit more information and I'd be down another rabbit hole until finally this, this piece of body of work started to show itself. And I had a client and I said, hey, let's try calling in these, these winds. And so I started blowing my wind whistle and we would have similar but different experiences of what these energies were. And that really opened up the doorway to say, oh, my word, these aren't, this isn't like mythology. This is mythology, but this, these aren't um, metaphors. These are energies, and these are informing energies. And the more I went through it, the more they informed me. So they continued to inform and surprise me. 
even this week, something funny happened where a woman said, oh, I sent my wind whistle off to Australia. And she said, oh, no, no. I, I was thinking it was the nice Peruvian whistling vessel. I said, I'm like, okay, well, you can ship it back. And in the meantime, she pulled out a couple of wind cards out of the wind sack. And, and so she said, oh, yeah, I got the same wind card twice. I guess I should keep it. And I'm there, okay, what wind did you get? She goes, oh, some wind about right relationship. And I go, because she missed the name on it. But she had pulled Why Were Mama the Peruvian Wind twice. So here she's thinking she should get a Peruvian wind whistle. Instead, she gets the Peruvian wind. So <laughs> needless to say, she's now kept the wind whistle in Australia. But that's how they reveal themselves. It's mm-hmm. it's uncanny. Yeah. So, so the full title of this book is Winds of Spirit, um, Ancient Wisdom Tools for Navigating Relationships, Health, and the Divine. So let's let's take one part at a time and just um, look at that, and then I don't know we'll get we'll get into some other the actual navigating maybe a little bit in a little later in the show. But so what's really the essence of these uh, energies as ancient wisdom tools? Like what 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 have they taught you about why you would name them that? Or they would tell you to name them that. <laughs> oh, trust me. We yeah. went around and around with this. But the there was I struggled with the cardinal directions of of this system. And you know, there there was a there was a at one point that I said, I'm taking the cardinal winds right out of this book. And so then I was gonna do that, and then the next thing you know, I pull out in succession the east wind, the south wind the north wind, you know, I didn't even bother pulling the fourth one because it probably would have been the west wind. And it's like, no, you're not letting us go. You need to understand this. And so the more research I did, I got all the way back. Well, before the tablets, you know, there's cave drawings, which always that that people and shamans and healers were trying to locate themselves in in this time and space intersection, you know, to give ourselves meaning. Well, what I began to understand when they started to really have thought around this and, and could record it on the tablets was that these four cardinal winds have always structured our um, reality. They've always been a, a structure that we can contain ourselves as humans in. And, you know, sailors only navigate from their own ship. So really in your life, you can only navigate from your own center, which you so aptly discussed in your, or brought in in your meditation this morning. So this idea that the cardinal winds have been holding us, and no, no surprise they show up in every tradition, in every uh, indigenous tradition, in the, the Christian traditions, the Judaism, all of them consistently, so that there's some, some sense to that we need a structure for our experience. That, so that's how these came about. We're one short on this list, but that's okay. We couldn't get it to sound right. <laughs> you know, the publishers want it to sound right. But there, I did an overlay of all of the traditions that I had personally studied, which, you know, being an American, I, you know, did the smorgasbord. And I started to see similarities between what the east wind was, what the south wind was, the west wind. And so I used that as a structure for how to, as a container for this wind information. But that then I learned that with the compass, 
that every other point on the, the navigational compass were pointed in the wind. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to think like, okay, well, this is, this is really nice. But when I started to really work with winds, I understood that it works as a navigational system for yourself. Relationships, if you, you think of them, you know, they're static. They're, they're, they're always constantly moving. They're dynamic. And what happens is our body is so full of water and, you know, our aura is we're the compass. We're, we're our actual compass. So when you're navigating something as static as a relationship, if you learn to dance with it, like the winds move, you can really, you know, it's not going to stop you from ever having a disagreement, but you can certainly start to use it for seeing the dynamics between how, how people relate and how groups relate and, you know, bigger cosmos. Because the winds are more concerned with the global than giving you information about where you're going to school next week type of thing. You know, they're more, they're more globally aligned to how we're moving and shifting in this world that we're living in than, you know, they're, they're more collective. Well, and I think in the way that modern shamanism has been kind of pigeonholed as self-help, and as you obviously used it in the beginning and so did I, you know, it's not like we don't begin there, but if you, if you keep going, you start to realize, oh, wait, this has always been about that larger perspective and how I fit into it. I think that's important for us always to remember is our helping spirits are trying to move us into that collective, that global perspective right. and our, our place in it. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm picturing these uh, cave drawings that I have seen various places on the earth and, and, and kind of chuckling because, you know, there's, uh, there's always a symbol for wind. Mm-hmm. But everyone goes, oh, this is wind. Just like there's only one wind and this is it. <laughs> right? Instead of recognizing at the time, the whoever drew that was most likely to speaking, as you are right now, to a specific wind for a specific message that is being left there on that cave wall that we you know, don't know how to interpret anymore. Right. And, you know, and they're relational to you. Yeah. Like you know, one of the exercises in the book is to go out and take a wind walk. And, and so when you do, you, you actually have a relationship to the wind that you're going to walk with that night. You know, you go out, you feel the wind. Okay. And last night I was having this experience where the wind was, I was moving the wind or I was moving with the wind. It was, I'd stop and it didn't feel like there was wind. I'd start walking and it was feeling like the wind was moving. And I thought, like, well, that's a really <laughs> new experience. And it's really about bringing people home to the experience of being in themselves right here, right now, knowing that they're fully, in, they're fully um, held by this element that's called wind and that it truly is the thing that connects us to everything else around the world because the, the wind that I'm breathing out is going to hit you up in Oregon a little bit later this afternoon, and maybe it's going to go up to Whidbey Island, and it's, it will you know circle the world in a few short mm-hmm. days. And so my fascination has been, has, well, the story's already, probably already on the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We just have to listen. Yeah, yeah. So, Renee, is there a particular 
uh, quality that the wind, working with the wind, brings to um, our navigating our health in particular? Is there something special that the wind brings to assist us there? It brings you, with your health, um, you know, a lot of my work has been emotional, but I've certainly done uh, physical health healing as well. But that it brings you present into the moment so that in this time intersection, this time and space intersection in your own life, that you can start to uh, maximize whatever it is that you need to do in order to improve your health. For example, like, you know, it's as simple as, okay, these wind walks have made me healthier because I've committed to them and they're certainly interesting. And so that helps me that way. But I can also move things along by bringing through the wind energies in my body in order to uh, gain a better perspective on it and move things around. Now, um, and, and that's been like actually using my wind whistle in a healing session to move energy that either hasn't necessarily brought it into form or to help, you know, a lot of with our health issues, it's, it's learning how to, to be with them and then make the best informed decisions about how we are with them. I'm a person who believes that this is what, you know, like I had a client who was, who was dying of cancer and I, I told her, I said, you know, she wants me to cure her. I said, well, sometimes the cure isn't in healing or, or, or cure, you know, sometimes the, the, the healing isn't in the cure, but that the healing is in you understanding your spiritual perspective in this so that when you leave, you've taken everything that you need from here. So sometimes the, the, sometimes it is curing, sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm listening and I'm thinking about how as contemporary people, because we do tend to get disconnected from the physical world and certainly from the elemental world. Um, but, and we also have a tendency based on our contemporary culture to think about force and power in very fiery terms. Um, but I'm, I'm thinking about yin and yang energies, and I think people forget that wind, air, is the other manifestation of true yang energies, which is the ability to direct and focus and move and make things happen. So um, I'm listening to, I'm thinking, oh, well, of course, you know, this is this is a way to work with true with true yang, true yang energies with the wind. It's uh, beautiful. So with that, how in particular um, does working with the winds uh, connect us or work on our relationship with the divine? So that's probably its its biggest function. Mm -hmm. And working in treatment, and I work, you know, there's a lot of 20 to 30-year-old, specifically a lot of 20 to 30-year-old young men in treatment who uh, are now two generations away from any organized religion. And I say religion because religion for shamans, you know, your, your people here who are listening know religions, or they might not know this, religions borrowed the wind. Holy Spirit is a wind, Ruach is a wind, Nirvana is a wind. Religions borrowed what was working from the shamans 
and, you know, packaged it because they could write and they could, you know, got, were mobile around and took the best of some of what we did to make, you know, their rituals sell. If you look at it from a marketing perspective. So, so the people in Turkey who used to wander the desert were wind believers. They navigated the, the vast landscape of sand by understanding wind patterns. Now, just think if you do that in your own life, if you understand your own wind patterns, how you can navigate. What I will say is that when I take this wind work into with these young people who have really lost their connection to faith and spirit, they can buy the wind. They, they, are, they have no problem saying, oh yeah, it's a power bigger than myself. Um, it's invisible and I, I can feel it. So the more and more I went down this rabbit hole of wind and caves of wind and uh, I felt more held in my life. I was a spiritual seeker. I no longer seek because I have the wind. And, mm-hmm. and I, there's no, I've become a wind believer and I have 1500 people over on Facebook who are wind believers and this growing group of people who say, yeah, this makes sense. So let's talk about that for just a minute. Is this your wind clan? It is my wind clan. So, so share a little bit with people about um, what does what does being part of the wind clan mean? Well, the wind clan started because when I first came up with this idea, I was writing a book about the wind. I, I looked up at the sky and said, "Are you kidding me?" People don't like the wind and you want me to write a whole book about it. I, I mean, I was like, I'm like, I'm, I could be the reluctant shaman.com too, because there was like, so I started noticing that people were one of the parts of on the compass is on the spirit in the North. You have to have a community buy-in. You have to have a collective, a collective group of people who say, yeah, maybe this is, this is good or, or it won't sustain itself over history. And what I started to see was that, Hmm, I'm a marketer, but this time I'm not marketing. People are being attracted to the wind is pulling people in and finding people all over the world. And I have very little to do with it other than showing up and, you know, being of service to it, which is a whole different approach to uh, trying to, you know, beat people over the head to buy something And so people share how these exercises, like I did a resurrection meditation and, you know, I've done removing resistances. Oh, my favorite is making wind knots. And I just taught a class in New York about how to make wind knots. And the lap sailors were making wind knots. So it's about some of these techniques that have been lost in time to us that are being revealed here through my experience and other people having similar experiences. So together, this group is shaping this work. I wrote the book, but the group is definitely shaping the way the work is going to go out into the world. So it's not that the group has a goal in and of itself, other than just to begin to re-engage with ancient teachings in these contemporary times and see what happens. Right. Yeah. And explore them and develop them and and to give them life again. Right. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. As this is happening, you know, since you're kind of holding the space for it and having the vision for it, are you starting to get an inkling of 
of I don't know the, what it's what it could create or the difference that it could make in the world maybe whenever I get in the way of that it's my ego and you know I kind of get wind slapped a little bit and then <laughs> in, in, in basically I get told by the wind that we didn't wait 2,000 years to, to share and, and be revealed that and to worry about, you know, what's going to happen next. Because, you know, I was selected because I'm good for working and I'm a pretty good marketer and I've done a lot of personal work. So I'm, I'm clean enough pretty much to hold this energy. And I have, you know, my relationships and teachers who keep me in, in check. And but that they it has its own life. When I went to Hay House, I mean, they're like, you know, if this book isn't for you, you're not getting it. So let's just be really clear. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was somebody that they would have hoped would have endorsed it. And I'm, they're like, well, if, if it's theirs to endorse, they will. But mm, probably not. And, you know, because and it turned out that it didn't really have an, an endorser per se. I mean, it has great endorsements, but it didn't have somebody write a foreword because it's not it has its own trajectory and its own life force. But one thing I have learned from the end of the research process was that these winds reveal themselves at times of major transformation on the planet. And after the planet went dark a couple thousand years ago, I think when you see all the winds at the creation mythologies, I think that what it is is that these winds went around the world and around the globe and reinformed people of their traditions and their um in their their memories and i think that that's what they're here for again mm-hmm. and as long as i keep out of the way of that because you know I, you know i get it like oh my god this is a huge responsibility and it's not i mean it is but it's not well yeah i i get what you're saying and i think there's this 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 aspect of shamanism where um oh my god this is a huge huge responsibility or this is impossible or what are you what are you nuts you know that kind of place that it's easy to get to with this and yet when you sort of lean back into trusting that relationship with spirit it unfolds when you try to do it yourself it all falls apart but you know if you you remember to ask for help it all works (laughs) i know and Um, and that's it i have to keep calling it you know and one of the times i was like doubting they're like well no one signed up for my class in in you know new york and sandra ingerman writes me back says this work is brilliant. Pretty much get out of your own way again and the right people will show up. And of course they did. But the whole thing is, is to hear it from somebody else as a reflection back at you. And they're like, okay, well, people are really resonating with this. This is good. Yeah, yeah. Especially so, when you just put all your energy into it. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, okay, so you you were starting to touch on this, um, this idea of um, you know the world goes dark because humans are humans, and and then the winds reveal themselves at these times of change on this globe, and um, so talk a little bit if you would about this idea of these cross cultural winds having unique spheres of influence. That was really the most one of the most turning pivotal points of this research was, you think wind was wind. And then all of a sudden, you you know, you start seeing, oh, my word, Oya is about transformation and Vegemate is about nurturing and Mari, uh, 
the Basquin might just be the roots of the Divine Mother. And and you start to see where it just was really surprising that they they weren't just wind. They had their own um, they had their own spheres of influence over uh, qualities of life, qualities of being in life, and qualities of being in relationship to the earth in life. You know, so like Ekatl, the the Aztec wind rises from the under world there's a whole story about the underworld how he comes back from the underworld to rise again from the ashes and you start to see that wow these wind stories which are before have found their way into other um, more organized forms of faith and yet they offer us the opportunity to go directly to the source mm-hmm yeah. And so I wanted to just address this because we're, you know, we're talking about a, a global energy, you know, no one owns the wind, <laughs> but, you know, cultures do own their own cultural teachings in, from a perspective of not wanting to appropriate things. So, um, What's what is the message that the wind has offered, or how how are you addressing this? Um, any concerns about I don't know cultural appropriation when <laughs> when we're looking at you know all these different spirits of the wind, literally of cultures all over the world. So at least you're being fair, <laughs> right? Uh, you're including the whole globe. You know that was a big concern because I was in a Lakota sweat lodge for ten years and. I, I carry a, a, a pipe, and at one point, you know, I I was lambasted, and you know, been on the fraud website and all of that, and I and I thought to myself, all right, you know, there's me. This is my approach. I'm going to take the Lakota wind out of the book, and so, of course, what I reach into the wind sack and what do I pull out the next time is, you know, the Lakota wind, and I'm there like, no. What are you setting me up for here? And then I was told on one of my wind walks that all of the information was always on the wind. Always, always, always from that first stir of creation of this planet, there was the wind, the wind, um, the wind knowledge. And that if you're in Lapland, you heard the messages from the wind that you needed in order to navigate the ice. And if you were in um, the Polynesian, you know, going across the, the, the big ocean, you, you probably got a little more friendly with that wind and go over to, you know, Hawaii. So that where you live, and again, go back to thinking about navigating your ship from your own wheelhouse, that these winds informed you based on where you were in nature. And so the fact that so many different cultures around the world came up with similar rituals and, you know, have their own twist to them is because the information has always been available to us. We just had to listen. Yeah. Yeah. And similarly, that that fire rituals pretty much look like fire rituals, uh, you know, wind rituals, wind work looks pretty much like wind work, <laughs> no matter what culture is doing it but like you said with this specific sort of personality I think 
I guess for me, as someone who's also researched shamanism globally, as opposed to spending all my time in, in one cultural manifestation of shamanism, I think people who haven't done that can miss how clearly shamanic traditions grew up out of the land in which the people were and the, mm-hmm. and how the elements um, manifested for them in their lives and mountain shamanism around the world in different mountains looks real similar and uh mountain shamans that never ever talk to each other culturally look more similar than that mountain shaman does to the valley shamans related at, in their own valley but valley shamans look a lot you know i mean i don't think people in this argument about who gets to be a shaman etc cetera, etc cetera, and cultural appropriation, which is a valid concern. We're not diminishing that. But I don't think people recognize how much of this art is global and it's constantly calling us to see ourselves as a global family. Exactly. And, yeah. I totally and, agree with that. Sorry. Yeah. And that, you know, the element, like you said, you know, what the wind means to someone living in Lapland is going to be different than someone living in, you know, Polynesia because one group of people are dealing with cold ice and reindeer and the other people are sailing and dealing with fish. <laughs> it's a different life. Um, anyway, um, I just wanted to share this quote from the book from Ursula K. Le Guin. The weather workers and sea masters calling upon the wind and the water were crafts already known by his pupils. Uh, But it was he who showed them why the true wizard uses such spells only at need, since to summon up such earthly forces is to change the earth of which they are a part. Hmm. So... You, you, you brought this. Is, it's such a powerful quote. And so, do you want to speak to what that quote was really asking people to really look at in your book? That intention and integrity is everything. And you said it really succinctly at the beginning of the call, where you talked about when when you first get on this path, it's all about me. You know, and that. Somebody was saying yesterday we have to get out and tend to the earth and heal her. I'm thinking like, well, you know, no. You need to heal yourself so that you can be available to whatever that call is. Because if we were all healed, we wouldn't have any earth issues. Or, you know, we would be warming up because we warm up every, you know, we warm up every couple million years. And But the, the thing is, is that it's integrity. And you can't even know if you're in integrity until you start really diving in and doing some personal work, but that to know that you're in constant relationship to, it's not separate. The wind isn't separate. It's part of, and so it's a cooperating relationship with it. Now, I know that the shamans who go and pray for rain, they they become the rain, and so they have a relationship to it. And I believe that that's what that quote is calling us to, is that inner relationship where we know that we are part of this planet we live on. We're not separate. Shamans have known it for eons, but that it's in that honest cooperating relationship 
you're going to be concerned with the community, the well-being of the food sources, and all of that because that's what cooperation requires. Yeah, yeah. So we have, you know, we, we're actually almost running out of time. So let's take this this ten minutes here and share, if you would, some of the basics of the Windwork system that you have in the book and and help help listeners understand how that could help them better navigate in their lives. So one of the easiest things for somebody who's not so sure about this wind work is to take a wind walk. Again, you walk outside the door, you ask the wind a question, you wait until you feel the movement of the air on your cheek, and then you just walk. You know, you might not want to take your cell phone and all of that other stuff. Another great exercise that you can use, like, you know, we're, we're bombarded by um, electromagnetics and people and thoughts and stuff. And if everything's truly in the wind, you're bombarded by more than you even have to put your attention to. So there's this other exercise in the book that's called a wind bath, where you actually go out and you use the element of air to wash anything that doesn't belong to you off your energy field. And, you know, very, again, very intense winds, you get a different kind of a wash. The uh, I did a full moon wash the other night where I used the moon and the wind in conjunction with each other to clear and reveal something about my shadow side that I needed to work on this spring. So it's working with those elements. And trust me, they start to teach you once of other ways. One of my favorite ones is the wind knots where uh, the, they used to go to the lap wind witches and have wind knots made where, you know, uh, you would untie a knot that was made, you know, magically made and you'd untie it for depending on the intensity of wind that you need to blow in your life. Sometimes you just need an, a very light breeze to get where you're going, but sometimes you need to really flip your sail over in order to get to where you have to go. And, and so there's techniques that are really simple that are really nature relational that help you navigate your life. You know, they get, there's a little more complicated. I'm doing a five-day workshop at Omega where we'll really get into some different kinds of weather work. But right now I, I'm keeping it focused on the personal because I believe as we heal personally, we're going we're gonna to show up globally. Yes. One thing I did notice in the book is um, there's a lot of call to practice. Simple practice, but practice, you know, daily practice. And can, can you speak to that, like the importance of that relative to this work? Yes, and you said it at the beginning again about that do this once a day. You know, just think if you just started once a day noticing the wind. It's not like I'm asking you to drop from 3,000 calories to 2,000 calories. I'm saying, hey, once a day notice if a tree is shuffling or uh, the breeze is blowing or because we've become so distracted that the first goal of this is to become aware. And you have to become aware in order to, if you don't want to walk around on this planet, numb. And, you know, so it does take practice because we forgot. And, you know, what do you need to do when you want to remember something? Besides for remembering it, you need to 
keep, you know, when you were learning your ABCs, you recited them over and over and over again. You know, there's groups like Alcoholics Anonymous because people forget they're addicts. I mean, there's, it's because what we've learned is that it's so easy to put our attention elsewhere. But one thing I will guarantee you, if you've listened to this call, you will notice the wind. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So, um, is there, is there, um, can you speak to kind of like the basic structure of the system, the wind work system? Okay. And so right now it's spring and the system is based on living your life in relationship to the, the or spring here, fall in the Southern hemispheres, but it's living your life based on your cycle of nature. So in the spring, we plant seeds. And so this is the time where you make your vision board. This is the time where you really organize your year. This is the time because this is, you come out of a hibernating time when why on earth do you try to do something when you're hibernating is beyond me. But in the spring, we, it's funny because both you and I are way connected because my class starts the 11th and yours starts the 12th. Uh-huh. And, and so we clearly have the same system of that. We do these things in the spring in the, in the summer, we're, you know, tending to our crops. And then in the fall, we're harvesting them, although some years we harvest to an empty field. But And then in the north, we our work is, is that we stored up enough to get through this period of, of quiet hibernation. And so the system is based on your natural cycle. And then learning to understand that in any given moment, you might have you could be in the spring, but you could have an east wind blowing in your life or a south wind, a west wind or a north. That makes your, your, that makes your life uniquely your own. So, for example, the, the east wind is, in pretty much all cultures, new beginnings. Um, and then the south in my system is about your emotions. The west is endings, which is pretty much a lot. And then the, the north is about... Uh, spirit and community and all of that. So you might be starting your spring adventure over here, having uh, an east wind blowing, which is, you know, nice. It's all nice and tidy, but somebody else might be starting their spring in an emotional upheaval. So the system teaches you to know where you are at any given moment in your own compass. So you can track where you are like if you're in a grocery store and you're all of a sudden having like a rage about something, you could stop, do a quick little assessment of your own compass and find out, okay, you know, you, you think that you're more important than everyone else or you're, you're hungry or you could figure it out really quickly so you can realign yourself to be present where you are in the moment. That's mm-hmm. simply put. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you have um, a, a favorite story that you have permission to tell? So it might not be your experience, but maybe one of the people in your wind clan that really shares, you know, a few steps about how someone was somewhere in their life and began working with the wind and 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 really broke through or got or worked hard or somehow got to a a new and very uh, 
desirable place in their life. Okay, I'll Jeff go back Hunter. to I'll go back to the woman who uh, helped me start to explore these wind energies. When she came to me, I, I'm a, a private coach as well, and those clients have always just found me. And so she was 70 years old, and she was a philanthropist, and wanted to become a writer. And so we worked through this system, and the, 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 when you start working with the wind, the things that aren't appropriate in your life anymore, they start to fall away. And that really happened in her life. I mean, it took a, a year or two with really good working together, but she's just about ready to publish her first novel and has two more in the works. So she shifted from you know being a philanthropist to being an author by working with the wind. Wow. Beautiful. Beautiful. So do you actually have the book with you? Um, I do. Because there, there are many wonderful wind prayers, wind invocations, wind messages. Is there one in particular that you really love in the book that you'd like to uh, share. I just wanted to, to kind of prep you with that. Um, but before we get to that, because I like to close with that, is there anything else that we haven't gotten to yet about this work and this book that you would like to share with people that we just haven't quite come around to yet in the conversation? Well, I know this will be on your website for a long time, but if somebody's like a little bit interested, it's this week, it's this last week of being a dollar ninety nine on Kindle. So you can pick it up relatively inexpensive, but you will want a copy of it. But what I, I want to blow the wind whistle for you. And so I think we could do that in conjunction with the opening to the, one of the winds in the back and just getting a little piece of information from it. Beautiful. Yeah. Does that, does that work? Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. So one of the great ways to use this book and it was designed this way was that in the whole last quarter is that you can open up to the, the last section and just open up to a win for guidance. And the wind that I opened up to was Yapancha, the Hopi wind of moderation. And you ask Yapancha to bring balance in every area of life. And the, the gift of Yapancha as a steady east wind may symbolize prosperity and fulfillment. You're being rewarded for your humble adherence to the traditions of your community. Nourishing rain falling upon your parched desert is the ultimate gift from the creator. Your newly planted seeds will now germinate. Daily rituals such as singing will restore inspiration. Reciprocity is the key to living a balanced life. Now, I'm going to call upon you, Pancha, with the wind whistle so that you can all listening can uh, get some moderation and a little balance in your life. And I'll call to her, um, I'll call to you, Pancha, three times. And very similar to what you were talking about, the first time you ground to the earth, the second time you actually bring the wind in from the top of your head. And the third time is for self-protection. It, it's a little popo from that comes in the top of your head around your pelvic and creates a, like a torus or a donut around you so that you work with this wind as a cooperating force of nature for the day. How's that sound? Beautiful. All right. You ready for the wind whistle? You make yourself a comfortable, close your eyes or gently if you like, and let's call to Yapancha as a, a worldwide group and feel that energy of moderation restore us to balance. 
And we welcome the spirits of the wind. Yeah. Thank you, Renee. Well, thank you. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. Um, as Renee said, you have a special opportunity right now. Um, Amazon Kindle, what do you say is $1.99? Yeah. Hay House has it lowered to $1.99 right now through this week. Wow. Great. Go for it, everybody. <laughs> um, and if you'd like to reach out to Renee, um, I, I'm trying to encourage people just to start being respectful of shamans as practitioners and, you know, go to the website and go through the contact page. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Like, be respectful. It's thepracticalshaman.com. Um, so Renee, thank you so much, um, for doing this work, for being the messenger, which is never easy since our culture tends to shoot them. So right? for doing exactly. that work. Yeah. And, um, for holding your wind plan and uh, bringing these ancient teachings back at this time of such profound change on the planet and, you know, just showing up and doing your work. Thank you. Oh, and thank you so much for holding this space for 10 years. You certainly must have the community buy-in, and so that's that great spiritual work. I really have enjoyed our conversation, and glad we finally got to really meet, and it was great to be on your show. Yeah, and by the way, everybody, the book is gorgeous. <laughs> it really is. It really is. All right, so let us give thanks to these uh, spirits of the wind that hold us all as a human family on this planet. Gratitude to our own ancestors and their many forms, those helping spirits, gratitude to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Uh, so I just want to remind everybody, Earth Body Mastery, which is live online learning, which you all have been clamoring for, your radio show listeners, for quite a while. Uh, we're registering right now. It begins April 11th. Um, and you can go to energybodymastery.com. And also the cycle of transformation is beginning again, as it does every year, uh, June 3rd through 8th. And that you can register for that at the lastmaskcenter.org website. All of, all of this registration is available to you on the homepage. So thank you, everyone, for joining us this week. And um, take a wind walk this week and see what happens. Well, thank you very much, Christina. Thanks, Renee.